that's a very annoying. But go ahead and start talking about the ajias. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce everything with a fake don't, <laughs> Greek don't. accent now. It's melora. That was very Hispanic. Yeah, I pronounce all foreign words like they're Spanish. It's melora. Ole. And welcome to another episode of your confirmed by many few of you favorite podcast, Unresolved Textual Tension. It's me, your host, Maria, with my ruggedly handsome co-host, William. Super rugged, super handsome. And what book are we doing today, Maria? Today we are reading a book uh, that is called Lore. And once again, I forgot the name of the author uh, by Alexandra Bracken that Will chose. Um, He thought it was going to a good book. Maria keeps throwing shade at me picking books. I want you guys to know I'm the only one who picks books. All the time I'm like Maria, is there a book you want to read? We can read that. I want to, you know, I want to be feminist. Make sure that this is a joint venture. There have been books I've picked like Hyperion. Heavy weighs the crown, pendulous swings the dick. Uprooted. No, I picked Uprooted. That was just one you thought we should do eventually. Yeah, but it was one that I suggested as a book we do. I think I would have figured out to do a Naomi Novik book eventually. The other thing is like Will picked this because he he thought it was going to be good and mainly because he misunderstood a fundamental thing. Oh, 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 misunderstood or it wasn't in the synopsis. I just, when I read the synopsis, I did not think this was going to be a secret competition. Me neither. I thought this was like going to be an interesting idea. No, I idea. did. That's what I meant. I did think it oh, would be a secret Oh, 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 just throwing me under the bus. I see how it is. This is what feminism reaps, guys. I'm going to read the actual blurb again. And that'll be a good uh, introduction into what the basic concept of this book is. Every seven years, the Agon begins as punishment for past rebellion nine greek gods are forced to walk the earth as mortals hunted by the descendants of ancient bloodlines all eager to kill a god and seize their divine power and immortality long ago lore porcius fled the brutal world in the wake of her family's sadistic murder by a rival line turning her back on the hunt's promise of eternal glory for years she pushed away any thought of revenge against the man now a god responsible for their deaths yet as the hunt dawns over new york city two participants seek her help Castor, a childhood friend Lord believed long dead, and a gravely wounded Athena among the last of the original gods. The goddess offers an alliance against their mutual enemy, and at last, a way for Lord to leave the Agon behind forever. But Lord's decision to bind her fate to Athena and rejoin the hunt will come at a deadly cost, and still may not may not be enough to stop the rise of a new god with the power to bring humanity to its knees. Okay, so I'll give that to you, but like, it is in New York. Okay, so here's what happens, guys. I thought, oh man, this is an awesome idea. It's an alternate history where the gods get hunted down. That sounds so cool. How would that change things? Maria, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Is that what this book is actually about? No, it is not modernity plus remnants of ancient Greek religion uh, and mythology thus creating a new version of our modern world. No, it's just our world, but secretly unbeknownst to anyone else except a couple of families, clans, every seven years in a randomly, well, not randomly, but in a chosen city or area, you hunt some gods. This has been going on for over a thousand years. I'm, I'm going to start with how I felt about it because I feel a little, I, I, in some ways I feel very strongly and in some ways not as strongly as William. In this, I think this book at its core, is very fine. It's not a great book at all. It is not a, like, it's like a mid-level book. Like, it's very mid. It It's it's fine. It reminds me of, like, when we read Light Lark, and Light Lark wasn't good, but we were like, it's, it's not terrible. The problem is, 
what drags this book down a little bit, because I think, and Will and I agreed on this earlier, if I had read this as a high schooler, I would have read it and been like, that was a decent time and then forgotten it existed and just moved on with my life. I wouldn't, unfortunately, as an adult, uh, and, and as someone who reads for this channel, I bring a certain, certain amount of expectations. Uh, I'm fine. I'm looking with the magnifying glass uh, for things. And it did not hold up to that because the fundamental conceit of this book is not a good one. And what I mean by that <laughs> is it is it has so many holes. There are so many ways that none of this should have actually happened. Now, the actual plot of the book uh, is fine. You know, like... I'll still make an argument for it being uh, the least... Uh, so my general, to interrupt Maria for a moment, um, is that my general problem with this book is that each element of it is the least interesting iteration of the concept, both from a world building and then even to the characters and plot. Maria found them a little bit less odious than I did. The problem is that I am getting increasingly frustrated with books that are mediocre. Um, and this book is, as me and Maria texted a lot of times, just incredibly mid. It's just mid. And it's it's so irritating to read mid books at a certain point. Especially because the idea that we went into because again i hadn't fully read the the synopsis but will pitched it to me and the idea will had going into this fascinating <laughs> you can tell that i'd be a much more talented writer than a lot of the people we've read so just to be to be confronted with the like like so many missed opportunities i think that's what made it frustrating for me especially in the beginning to read was it felt like a lot of mid missed opportunities but then when i realized this book wasn't trying to be like, again, the fundamental conceit needed work. And I will argue that is the big weakness. It also fumbles its main, uh, one of its main characters and an eventual antagonist terribly. But I think outside of that, I don't think this book was trying to be anything other than what its plot was doing. Again, it's like you have a decent plot, but in a terribly built world. The container is really stupid, but the actual drink inside is mid. Exactly. The, the drink inside was mid. And and again, I think if I would have read this as a high school or even early college, I would have been like, oh, yeah. And like then just forgotten it. But I wouldn't have had the like annoyance that plagued me in the first half of this book. By the second half, I was just like, ah, it's mid. It's fine. It's doing its thing. For me, there was a bit of a relief because we've read a lot of really long really <laughs> scattered books. So one of the things we talked about in our Baruch Cormorant video is like, I'm, I'm beginning to have less patience for books that have multiple arcs within them. Like there's like 900 and then each one feels like a fundamentally thing, but they're all in one book. So it's just long because you finish one and you're like, when's the next one going to, and I just, I'm slogging. And this book, it just like, you have a start, and the, the entire arc just goes straight to the end. It's one arc. It's one major thing. Part of it is it's a death competition, which I'm also <laughs> a bit tired of. But at least a death competition is a tight arc. You know, like it's a tight it's a tight plot. This is what we're doing. The the um scope, that's it. The scope of the story is tight compared to like Poppy War. Baruch Cormoran. But those much richer worlds, especially Poppy War, that was an interesting like background not as developed as it could have been, but the conceit, the basic ideas in those books 
problems were better than the basic idea here. So they have the exact opposite problems. Yeah. Well, going back to what we said, the other ones had like worse drinks inside or at least way longer drinks inside. Again, I found the drink inside this one to be, again, the way me and Maria talked about it is like, if I had read this in whatever the homeschooling equivalent to high school is, I would have been like, okay, I read it. I read it through. I thought it was okay. Probably over the years, I would have remembered the concept and iterated on it in my head until it was more interesting because it always bothers me when there's a good concept that isn't like smart enough. But I think also I would have missed some of the incredibly stupid fridge logic problems in this book and just basic world building issues. And again, I maintain modernity mixed with God hunts is such a cooler idea than secret hunt of, uh, you know, the Aegean heroes bloodlines. Ooh. It really is the problem with this book. And like the main character is not, she's not unique. She feels very standard, run of the mill, modern YA heroine. She's good with a blade. She's super tough. She, I thought for a while she was going to be a chosen one thing, but then it ended up not being a chosen one. She just happened to be the last person alive that could do a particular thing. And that made me feel much better because I was like, I don't i've i've really gotten to the point as an adult where i do not love chosen one stories <laughs> death competitions chosen ones no they're lazy like this whole fate shit like i ain't here for it um and so it ended up not being that and it was fine like the romance was fine mm. i liked he doesn't he didn't like it i liked caster as a character the more the book went on because i liked the idea uh of him being like really sick, not being able to do anything really well and then getting his powers. And then I liked him and his uh, Apollo's sideline. Like I liked that. That was a cool idea. I think also the problem is that there needs to be a word in terms of going back to the main character for not a Mary Sue, but a character that the author is overly fond of and invested in beyond their scope as an interesting character. Because this book is, you can tell, very invested in Lorth, the main character's personality and goals and, you know, motivations and all of that. And the thing is, she's a really simple character who's sort of boring. And also the dialogue in this book is sort of painful at times because she's trying to do like the Buffy funny thing and it doesn't work. And then also the book has some like weird themes about feminism that really don't make any sense or go anywhere. Um, Also the villains in this book are so bad. Like the author really drops the ball there. It feels like that was just an incredibly juvenile element of the book. And my girl Athena was mismanaged Mm -hmm. to the point of anger. That was one of the things that made me the most angry in this book was the treatment of Athena. Like, I hate when Athena is reduced to female Aries. Like, that that ain't it, my guys. <laughs> there's an extent to which writing gods is hard and this book fumbles it. And there's an extent to which the book really probably should have been like a buddy cop, like the main character and a god out at fish out of water. And that would have been a more interesting version. Because again, this book is the most boring iteration on these ideas. And it doesn't really nail Athena as a character or as a god stuck on Earth. And then there's a lot of world building reasons that that really doesn't work. And it's really frustrating because I thought there was two characters who were gods that felt... So number one, I think this author handled and all this will make sense when we do the plot guys i think this author handled the new gods better than the old gods except for hermes which ended up being something (laughs) 
I liked because Hermes felt like a guy who had actually paid attention and learned some shit in the past a thousand years of living on Earth. Like that guy had a building that he had. He had like a safe house. He had money like he invested. He was smart. Like he knew the world versus Athena, who like doesn't understand puns in some <laughs> instances. And, and I was just like, OK, so you got that like this was an option for how these characters could be. I was actually very upset because a lot of the things I complained to Will that I wish ha- the gods, the old gods, because there's three old gods when it starts encapsulated, you end up finding Hermes kind of did a lot of the things that I wanted. It just like- He just also wasn't very good at it though. None of this, this entire book plot should not be possible. I'm going to make an argument <laughs> for how the Agon should have happened because it is- fucking insane it is insane you had nine gods it's one of these problems where either all the gods should be dead or none of them should be dead and the world should look utterly different and it kind of facilitates between the two um but we'll get more into that as we get into the world building so where does this book start this book uh starts with the ascension of i guess new aries there's a there's a flashback but it's not important this book basically starts with our main character lore her, her name is L. The way it's written in the book is L O R E, you know, like Greek lore. <laughs> Wink. Her actual name is Melora, but we don't learn that for a while. Basic idea of this world. Um, a thousand years ago, the uh, a bunch of the gods were angry that people weren't praying to them and listening to them. So they tried to like, by force of might and fear, smite the humans into believing in them again. And Zeus all of a sudden, kind and benevolent, was like, no, I shall punish you for your transgressions. The nine of you who did this shall be put into an agon, where every seven years you shall take mortal form. And the hunters of these ancient families, uh, like these Greek heroes, uh, will hunt you down and kill you. And if one of the humans should kill you by blade then they shall have your power and you shall be dead. But then they become something for other hunters to hunt. And at the end of it, it lasts seven days. And if at the end of the seven days, you have either become a god or you are still alive as a god, you just get to poof back into incorporealness. Uh, But you can never get to Olympus. There's this idea that like there is a realm of the gods that they can't access anymore. And you can either you have two choices as a god once the Agon is done. You can either be corporeal and like build financial empires and like prepare for the next Agon. Or you can be an incorporeal little potato and just float around. You're incorporeal, but in this world, just floating around. You can look at stuff. But you don't do nothing unless you want to. And this is the main problem with the world building. Because what the fuck are the gods doing between these hunts? They're not preparing for the next hunt. If I was a god, I'd build a bunker. I'd build institutions. This book really should immediately, this world should break into a cold war between God nations where they're protect ready, they're building them to protect against the next hunt, and hunter nations who are just like hunting stuff. And it it is such a problem that they don't 
disappear between hunts. Part of it is there's this idea that the new gods, the ones who were humans and then killed a god and now they're gods, um, they generally stay in a corporeal form and uh, like, you know, build financial empires that help their family. But the problem is this really muddies the idea of the hunting clans are supposed to be killing the gods because if you, if your clan now has a god as part of it that god is now yours and it's it's not like this god was like the defender of this ancient greek hero no no no. it's literally just did you happen to kill that god okay now you're <laughs> it and now you're part of this family but that means the other families are fighting to kill your god now but also fighting for the other god the other issue with this is let me tell you what should have happened after the first surprise are gone okay <laughs> they do the first one uh, from if, if one of the gods dies, whatever. But the rest of the old gods should have looked at each other and gone, hey, the minute this ends and we're immortal again and we can take corporeal forms, kill all the families. <laughs> then it'll just be the nine of us and nobody will survive. You know, like they could have banded together and been like, we might have our differences, bros and sisses and cousins. But these we don't have to do this. Like if we literally in the seven years, cause there's a rule that the hunters, the hunter clans are not allowed to attack other hunter clans in the seven years in between the Agon. But there's no rule that the gods can't do that. Like, why have you not banded together and literally just smoked them out? You know, they knew who the families were before the first, Agon. like, there's no way this should have happened. <laughs> and also in ancient Greece, like yes. this is going to not be an issue. Like nowadays, okay, maybe you can hide out in New York or something. But no, in ancient Greece, these gods. And the other problem is there's a fundamental problem where like if the gods are powerful, it makes more sense for families to form in protection of the gods. So the gods give them powers during the seven years that they're not in control. You wouldn't immediately go in ancient Greece be like, ah, you know what? I'm going to kill a god and get his power. You're going to go. I want, you know, whatever awesome thing the god can do, they can protect me for these. I'll protect them during the seven days if they give me shit. I realized something. I don't think the Agon started in ancient Greece. I think the Agon started after Christianity took hold. Like Roman Empire is gone. Christianity, or I think it, it was happening as Christianity was taking over the Roman Empire and getting rid of the Roman version of Greek mythology religion. Because for, it was a thousand years ago, number one. Number two, uh, well, I guess not a thousand, but it was however many years ago, but they specifically were fighting Christianity. They, their, their followers were being drawn away from them. So this could not have happened during the height of ancient Greece. Two problems with that. One, it's never stated. And two, all of the hunter houses are named after heroes from Troy, which like, that's not even like classical age Greece. So that's ancient Greece. By classical age, those bloodlines are gone. So it's very weird because they're like the Odysseans and the- They're not all from Troy. Okay, yeah, that's true. They're also from the, like Heracles has one. Um, the Cambrians, I think was what they were called. Cadmians? Cadmians, the- Because of the um, Cadmian Bawar thing. The like Pegasusy people, the Bellorophon. But still, it, it's been going on for- it. A thousand years is Christianity, so let's say 800 years, maybe. Like, it's an odd thing for them to be like, this have been a problem from pre-industrial times. What makes so much more sense is if the gods just poof out of existence 
for those seven years between the seven days, or they're like stuck on Olympus. This makes so much more sense in terms of why their fish is out of water every time they show up. It also explains why more of them have died over time, because back in ancient times, people were less deadly. They understood the rules better. But, you know, now in modern day, they would have to deal with like guns or like tracking darts or GPSs, you know, like that would also explain because the other problem is over 800 years, half the gods are still alive. They should either all be dead or all be alive. It doesn't really make sense that half of them would be okay and half of them wouldn't. Let's assume they never would have wanted to all team up to crush in between the seven years. It makes no sense that they are not because again, they are stuck in this world, whether they're incorporeally stuck on this world and they choose to float up on a mountain or they choose to take a corporeal form. They are stuck in our world, which means they have been witnessing civilization. Why the heck is Athena not coming to with like a couple of AKs? Because the thing is, to kill the god, you have to use a knife or an arrow. It has to be a blade. That's what Zeus's poem said. Um, so, but the gods don't have to do that. I'd be like, oh, you're, you know, like I would have a bulletproof vest. Because that's the thing is, this book plays Athena as the fish out of water god. Because again, Hermes, you find out, is one of the not fish out of water gods. You learn that he, like, made decisions for his, like, experience on Earth and felt like a normal guy at certain points. But Athena is like, your technology. <laughs> like, excuse me. She And she's, she talks like she's a fish out of water. She's got, like... No respect for modern conveniences. Again, it's like she's just a female Aries. Like they saw goddess of war and just stopped there. She's the goddess of fucking wisdom. Like, what are we doing? Artists, educators, colleges. If you want me to believe that Athena would not have spent her incorporeal seven years in between each of these things, going to universities and sitting in between classes, this bitch should be a master. Like she should be a quote <laughs> in every language. She should speak every language. She could. She should be able to do astrophysics if she wanted to. Quantum mechanics, better understand her situation. And just soak it up like a fucking sponge and use all of that knowledge to be an unstoppable fucking force. She should be the CEO of an incredible but also like something that supports the cities she's decided to take under her uh wing as you know the protector of cities she should be almost untouchable and it's part of the reason that they like they're weakened is when the agon starts and they're turned into mortals they are poofed to whatever city that this rock that used to be in ancient greece has been moved to i'm still not sure who decides where that rock goes i think it's just like the the hunter family's vote maybe but already this is stupid because at one point she mentions like hey sometimes they move it to like england or japan so that the gods can't you know there it's an island they can't get much of anywhere in video games there's a thing called spawn camping which happens in bad games where basically where you respawn from having died, you can, as the other player, sit there and just kill them as they come in. Most shooters don't really have this problem anymore, but this used to be a thing. It's called spawn camping. That should be every single hunt. Every single hunt. I don't understand why it isn't. I think maybe that they don't all respawn in the same place. I know Artemis and Athena did, but I don't think the others did. So it's kind of... It, it, it would make sense if there was 
Like, because the thing is, they were like, they chose New York this year for the Oscar. <laughs> Why would you choose such a huge city? I don't understand. But does The Rock know the bounds? Like, is it, if you take it into the middle of Central Park and you put it there, is does it have a 20 mile radius and you can spawn anywhere within that 20 mile radius? Or is it just like, The Rock is like, New York City, I know your boundaries. I shall, I shall make sure nobody poofs into New Jersey. Metaphysical boundaries. Yeah, like, it, does it know? Does The Rock know? You can't program it. It's a fucking rock. Um, and so it just, it makes no sense. And like, I, if I was a god, again, taking in corporeal, the seven years between, I would make sure that in all the major island nations or like island cities, I would have a stock of weapons, a fucking safe house and just shit ready for me. Cause you basically just pop into the city in like our blue robe and nothing like it's you and like, good luck. But I would have like, it's been ages that this has been happening you're telling me they don't have this shit sorted and again guns you're coming at me (laughs) with a spear i have blown you to death you know i'd have grenades let's also point out that it is possible to have guns that shoot blades they're called flechette rounds and they they shoot from shotguns so if the thing is blades then why do they not have cooler weapons this is again one of the problems with this being a secret hunt is like there should be so much more world building going on in this book than there is. And that's one of the frustrating things about it. It makes it feel amateurish. And I always hate when books like waste their potential because the author was just interested in doing something else. And in this case, she was just interested in doing like Buffy, but with some like Greek references and there's a secret hunt and we're going to be really focused on this one character's journey who's actually not that interesting or complex and the gods are going to be sort of a sideshow and again there's so many logical problems here's what I think would have been more interesting okay I'm going to pitch this pitch it it's not a secret hunt everybody knows that this happens but the gods pop up in random places throughout the world they're stuck on Olympus the seven years that aren't the seven days on the hunt. And originally the gods can handle shit because they still have some of their power in their mortal forms and you're getting hidden. But now if they're slowly dying out because of technology and like things they can't really keep up with, they don't know what's going on. And that to me sounds so much cooler if there's like gangs of teens with iPhones trying to catch these gods as they're running through like Central Park. And using the face tracker technology like against the gods and then the gods have to team up with people in modernity to be able to like like they've had like acolytes that have just been like you know continuing to grow that try find the gods and help protect them and again i love the idea that will said of the buddy cop of the really out of touch god relying on a teenage girl to help her navigate and athena could be like wait the black plague isn't still going on that was five hops ago from you know the seven years or whatever you probably make it like and just to make the math easier even like 20 because that would be kind of interesting in terms of everybody having this one chance to kill the gods. I also think it would be cooler if instead of getting the gods' power, their body could be hacked apart and like pieces of it could give people magical powers or something like that, kind of in the way that supposedly Napoleon's dick got eaten by a cat because somebody actually cut it off him after he was dead and they kept it on their mantelpiece all shriveled and then eventually cat ate it. I don't know how true that is, but I read that once. But like their bodies are made into talismans. That's really grisly and gross and also solves the problem of why don't, 
why aren't people hunting these new gods? Like, well, the thing is, people are hunting the new gods, except not their families. So, like, for instance, there's the Odysseus family, descendants of Odysseus. Who, by the way, would have been BFFs with Athena. I'm sorry. If you don't sense the sexual tension between Odysseus and Athena in the Odyssey, I don't know what's going on with you right now. Again, it's the families have no actual ties. Like, it's just, it's really weird. Anyway, so they get the Odysseus family gets one of their like their archon becomes the new aphrodite so now their family has the god the new aphrodite so their family is no longer trying to kill him and so at a certain point would it not just be these families just with like a god each um and like just living chill lives it should be and i haven't read it but more of like the american gods the neil gaiman book in terms of that match of modernity to ancient gods type of a thing and it isn't because we have to keep focusing on this dumb shit plot and the main character. I really didn't like her. Can you guys tell? It, again, it's not even that she's really bad. It's just I'm so infuriated by mediocre books. I was able to at the halfway point once we'd moved away from because like the book in the beginning has to set up the conceit of this world. And unfortunately, because the conceit was terrible, all the times it tried to set it up, it just <laughs> made me angry every time Athena did something where I was like, why don't you know this? You are literally the goddess of fucking wisdom. <laughs> oh, I was so angry. Anyway, so once we moved past that and then like things just hit the, that we were no longer setting things up and shit was just going, I was like, ah, it's fine. It's okay. The plot is... Some people are going to love the romance. Some people are not going to, depending on their preference. I liked the original idea that could have been here of uh, the female character being the cool warrior and then the male character being, like, not that. He would have had to have something else. In this case, he was sick and dying of leukemia for most of their childhood. <laughs> I wanted something that was like Lore and Athena. That, to me, would have been more interesting. Yeah. I yeah, say well, things sometimes yeah. just to prompt Maria's exasperated expressions. Yeah. Again, though, I think I think the focus should be on buddy cop, God of water and uh, human having to save them. I think that's a way more interesting idea. OK, so I'm going to try to do the plot quickly. So Melora, she's been out of the game. You know, her family was killed uh, in the last at the end of the last Ogon. Her like her family was also the last of Perseus line. Um, because there's this weird thing, and this is another thing that this book does <laughs> that I don't love, where despite living in the modern world, these families are incredibly archaic. Like, they've been living in New York, in Paris, but they're incredibly archaic to the point where even if you kill a female god, only a man can inherit the power of the god. And this is such a strong taboo that when one woman accidentally kills a god, it, like her whole line, the Persades line, is like, they kill them off. They annihilate them. They just, except for one man who marries a woman from the Odysseus family, he's the, he's the only one, like his grandfather, I think. Like like his, yeah. His grandfather was left alive during the terror, like the the slaughtering i don't know why they left one guy alive like that makes no sense just kill everyone my guys there's also the problem that so they're super with gender dynamics you know um regressive but then also they keep marrying people outside of the family and bringing them in and i feel like this was a way just to have multi-racial characters in the story and i get that but it makes no sense either these hunters are super um inbred and archaic or they're embracing more modern ideas. And like, it actually would have been kind of interesting if there had been a divide in the houses between the more archaic, like 
you know, we have the Habsburg chin at this point because we're so inbred and we refuse to use like tracking darts. And then the more modern ones who are using like face tracking and who are like, yeah, no, you can marry people like it's fine. And and like women can have power. That's chill. But it's not They, they like they pick and choose the things where like the the families and, and like all the families are like this. It's not like it's four of them and the other like five or chill no they're all assholes about this again oh and the reason i remembered why they didn't so there is the agus by the way why would you not find a narrator who can speak greek like that was actually another thing that we have not introduced about this review that's really important yeah maria would you like to talk about your ethnic heritage for a moment (laughs) so i am culturally greek uh, I, I'm, I'm like ethnically Greek as well, like or like. There's some Turkish in there, but uh, we don't yeah. talk about that. I'm, with other I'm, Greeks. I'm Cypriot, you know, like it's it's, and so my family like we speak Greek the whole nine yards, and and the thing is, I don't speak Greek. My pronunciation pronunciation for a lot of things is not great because I was not taught. But there are, I have enough of an ear to know when people, and there are words that I do know how to pronounce. And I let my mom because I was like, am I just being picky about this because like. I've got a chip on my shoulder. So I let my mom listen to some of the pronunciations of the audiobook narrator. And she was like, nah, that's, that's not even, it was like, and certain words she pronounced. Okay. Like Odysseus, because they spelt it to sound like that instead of Odysseus. But there are so many other words that were just English inflection. It's, Achilles, right? Not Achilles. Achilles. Exactly, right there. Achilleos. So like, why wouldn't you make the pronunciation of the last name have some of that? It's weird that they just were like, let's get some American bitch to... Uh, she's not a bitch. I'm just saying that in the vernacular of some some woman. That's a very annoying. But go ahead and start talking about the Achias. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce everything with a fake don't, <laughs> Greek don't accent now. The- it's Melora. <laughs> But I'm going to do the Spanish like, because I pronounce all foreign words like they're Hispanic. Spanish. Yeah, I pronounce all foreign words like they're Spanish. It's Melora. Ole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. There's Athena's old shield that Zeus had given her that has Medusa's face on it. You've probably seen it. Um, and this shield is heckin' super important. Um, and what you learned is there's actually a lot of like old artifacts that are powerful that still do stuff. Like there's the... Uh, coat of the Nemean lion that uh hercules uh sled did a heckin slaying well you did that inaccurately you showed him stabbing and that's not how he killed the Nemean lion he found that all bladed weapons couldn't kill it so instead he turned its claws against itself yeah my mom was a greek mythology nerd and thus i am a greek mythology nerd okay that's actually one of the problems with the book is you can tell the author isn't as much a greek mythology nerd as like other people um though at one point she did say the sky was like wine dark which is a reference to the iliad and very cool and this shield can only be used by the perseus family because uh, it was given to them by Zeus at some point. If you kill the last of it, like if you completely annihilate that family, the shield disappears. And for some reason, the shield is like, everybody wants it. Everybody's real flipping hot for it. The Cadmides family stole it like a couple hundred years ago. And like, they can't use it because it has to, the only way you can use it is if it's freely given. And so they'd have to get someone from the Perseus family to give it to them. Uh, But they stole it. So that didn't happen. So they can't use it. They've literally got it locked up. And that's why they they left uh, our main character, Lore's great grandfather alive so that like the line would continue, but in a non-threatening way. Um, Again, having an entire clan of people killed because one of them, ascended to godhood but with the audacity of having ovaries is just (laughs) 
crazy. It's very odd. And there's going to be more discussions of feminism later in the book that are like weird. And again, it would have been funny if there had been a mismatch of like Melora having like a discussion about like second wave feminism with Athena, who's from ancient Greece or something. There's a way of pairing that modernity with archaicness that's funny and interesting. And this book doesn't really do it. She's she's been out of the game. Seven years ago at the end of the last Agon, her the last of her family, her mom, her dad, and her two little sisters were heckin' murdered. She lived with another family, the Odysseus clan for a while, and then was like essayed by like the new Archon. It was it was gross. So she killed him, and then because she killed the Archon, she like fled the house. Uh the other thing you should know is that at twelve years old, everybody thinks she's the heckin' coolest fighter. And she's developed such a name for herself that these ancient families call her the Spartan. Again, she's 12. Here's my other problem. And this shows, I think, that the book is a little bit superficial in how it deals with Greek mythology and Greek culture in that the idea of the Spartans as super cool fighters is a classical age Greek thing. It's not an ancient Greek thing. And again, all of these families are drawing their inspiration from class from ancient Greece myths and again, a lot of the Trojans. And so it doesn't make sense that like, in in the Iliad, Menelaus is the Spartan guy. And that's before, again, they got like very xenophobic and gay. And so it doesn't really make sense that these families that are so holding on to tradition would view the Spartan as a good, as a, a laurel that's impressive across different families. It would make a lot more sense if they were like, oh, you're the like the second coming of Perseus or something like that. It's one of those things that like pulls you back a little bit. But also, again, she's 12. Like, even if she's <laughs> impressive for her age, other groups of people should not know that she's cool enough that they know her as like the the Spartan child, you know, like, it's just an odd thing, especially since everybody's going through the same training. It's the kind of thing that should show up a little anyway. Anyway, one thing is that the book also keeps flashing back to her childhood and her training. And this is where she meets Castor, who has like leukemia and is thus weak. But um, he's like, OK, we're going to pair the outsider girl with the weak boy. But immediately they have a connection and they're like, we're going to do this. We're going to be tough and cool. And I like the idea of this and not the execution. Castor is part of the uh, Achilleos line of peoples. Um, and he... I don't know. He's just a random member, but her dad, the last of the Perse uh, Perseus family men, was friends with one of these guys, which, like, either we're friends or we're not friends, guys. Like, <laughs> are, if the clans have, if you can have, because her mom was also best friends with this lady from the Odysseus family, like, uh, well, I guess she was from, actually, never mind, that makes sense. She's literally from that family. But, like, if if we're doing intermarriages, we know enough about each other that, like, it's that it just makes the uh, gone like at some point everybody should be like it is not to our mutual benefit to keep trying to kill each other every seven years her dad was friends with his dad his dad got her in because again she had no one she could train with because her entire clan had been killed a hundred years ago and so she went and trained in his clan's school slash family place and that's how they became like besties i agree i liked the idea of this um I would have liked it more if he, because there's the idea that he goes into healing because, you know, he's sick and he's not a great fighter and like healing, uh, you know, 
That's a route. But that he wants to be strong and he wishes he could fight. And it's something that he still wanted to be able to do. And he was actually pretty decent at it, despite the fact that he was very weak. I would have thought it was more interesting if he was more like Van. There's a character named Evander. And Evander did not want to fight. He did not want to have to do any of this. There is a theory that one of the other characters has about him that he cut off his own sword hand. So that people would stop forcing him to be a warrior when he didn't want to be. And now he's like guy in the chair technology dude he's hacker man and messenger man <laughs> um and spy master um and i like that as an idea and i think that would have been really interesting to pair up with as a like if that had been caster's thing and now that he was like you find out caster's the new apollo uh that he had to confront the fact that he's never wanted to fight and like he has a hand again and like he has to come to turn i i thought that would have been a little bit more interesting and engaging especially if you're already going to be going into the dynamic of tough cool hard like tough fighter chick and like less tough guy like if you're gonna go there go all the way that would have been more interesting but it, it doesn't and yeah. what happens in the plot of the book is that Melora is in like these underground fighting rings and she's like working out her anger because her surrogate father Gil died like a while ago. And so um, she's fighting, she's doing fist fighting, that thing that people do. And then into the ring steps Castor. And she thought Castor died seven years ago from leukemia. And so she's like, oh my God, you're here. But also I'm mad at you. Why didn't you tell me you were around? How have you been alive this whole time, you jerk? And he's like, ah. Oh, I, I couldn't plot and like there's a he's looking for you or something and we're like oh who's he and what is he looking for and uh it ends up it's wrath who is the the guy the guy who killed Ares he's the new Ares yeah and he's a super baddie and he's like cartoonishly evil the whole book um and it is one of the weaker aspects of the book Castor pops up she's like go away I don't want anything to do with you I'm out of that life get out of here you deal with your stuff and he's like oh she's out of that life I'm not gonna drag her back in so I shall gracefully bow out as she's walking home with her best friend Miles who is sassy gay I didn't find him sassy I just found him a supportive friend to be fair yeah it's more that all of the characters in the book are sassy sometimes and I hate all of their dialogue um but uh, Maria has a higher tolerance for that kind of thing than I do I just hate not funny. If you're not Tamsin Muir, don't try to write funny characters. That is very, very limiting, William. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's one writer. She's the only, like, I'm sorry. So, yeah, she goes home with Miles. She gets to her home, and on her doorstep, there is a bleeding to death Athena. And you're like, oh, snap. One of our first interactions with one of the gobs. And she's like, what are you doing here? They get her inside. Athena's like... Uh, my sister betrayed me when we spawned into New York. <laughs> we respawned. <laughs> yeah, I think she's uh, going to try kill me. And I also would like to really kill Wrath. Uh, you you know, the, the guy who killed your family. She was like, help me, Melora. And Laura's like, I'm out of that life. And she's like, don't you want revenge for the man who literally brutally murdered your family and your little sisters? Why would you not avenge their deaths uh, so that they can be peaceful and free? And Melora's listening to all this, and she's like, you know, bitch is speaking some truths. Like, and because one of the reasons she doesn't want to kill Wrath is she doesn't want to become a god herself. But she's like, because Athena's like, if you help me, because Athena's dying, you know, like she's not doing super great. And if Athena dies, you know, that's it for her. Like, she's mortal. But 
she wants someone to help her recoup, protect her while she is recouping, because she will eventually heal herself, but she needs a protector. And she was like, I remember what they used to say about you. They called you the Spartan. She was 12! Because <laughs> she literally, Athena literally implies that she's been looking for her for years. And she was like, so I want you to be my, uh, like, bondswoman and, and protect me and serve me so that I may fight. And if you do that, I will kill Wrath for you and get you your revenge. And she's like, well, damn, this sounds like a solid uh, offer. And she says yes. Uh, and what the bond is... If one of them dies, the other person dies. The main conflict, too, here is introduced of Melora's character, which is that she wants to live a normal life now. But when she was young, she wanted Cleos, or Cleos, as you would actually pronounce it in Greece. In Greek. Um, and that's another thing that's irritating is the book sometimes uses Greek terms for things that are like glory you could just use. Like there's no particular reason to use the actual Greek word, but and especially when the narrator can't say it. She wanted to be, you know, a legend, which, by the way, is weird if it's a secret hunt. Like what your legend among like five other hunting groups? A total of a thousand people. I think this is supposed to mirror Achilles in terms of like Achilles's choice of glory or a long, happy life. But it's not really explored as well as even that is in the Iliad because she doesn't really want that anymore. And there's no real like understanding of why she should want that. And again, this is a place where the archaic mindset could clash with modernity in terms of these houses are so in their own little world where they're still trying to maintain ancient Greece culture and values of like being a legend is really important versus the modern like, hey, I want to chill on my couch and watch Netflix. Like that's interesting, but the book can't ever really sell that she was ever really invested in this idea of Cleos. I find that very accurate, especially because you're right. At the start of the book, she's completely separated from that life. She, um, after being essayed by the Archon of the Odysseus house and like running away, she's found by this like old professor man who is like hurt and she's like I shall help take care of you until you're ready and then he was like you can be my caretaker and live with me at my brownstone in New York City by the way uh, fucking New York City I hate how everything New Yorkers are way too fond of that city everyone is way too fond of that city it's Please a rat's nest I don't like that the story is set there it should be st set in Greece I would have liked it to be set in Greece I like the idea there's this one part where they said sometimes when like they really want to torture the gods they set it in Greece so that they can fight in the ruins of their old glory and I'm like that's a fantastic setting. <laughs> That's super cool. Also, you would have like hummus. Hummus. Baklava, which is also a very good one. But then like all the hunters would be kind of fat. They're eating that stuff anyway. There's literally a part where they're like, oh, <laughs> the baklava. Oh, wait, that's my point. Sorry. Gil spent the entire time she was living with him being like, you know, there's no reason to get invested in your, pa your past. Revenge is dumb. That is not going to help you move forward. You need to focus on you, your future, becoming like a good human, doing good things for other people. And she's like, yeah, that's what I want. And so like, that's how she starts the book where she's had these years of like healing with uh, like a kindly old man. And then she's like, yes, never mind, revenge. <laughs> it's sort of a conflict, but you never really get sold on the Cleos idea. It's just like, I'm theoretically interested in this, but I'm not. And like, it's not sold very well. It feels more like this was something I used to want but it's not like I never felt now that she wanted it, which, which yeah, that's a good point. Muddies up like some of the, cause like the conflict, <sighs> the heart at war with itself, the most important part of literature. Yeah. This book isn't great at that. One thing I'll give it is her motivations stay pretty consistent 
which is something I mentioned because we have read books where I've been like, what are the character motivations here? <laughs> How are they changing so much? So like half a point for that. She, she decides to do it. Um, and then she's like, oh, I need to heal Athena. She needs to be healed. She's like, let me find Castor. He should have finished his healer training. So he goes, she breaks into the uh, Achilleos house, like giant building that they live in. There's a party going. And then she realizes, oh, because uh, the god Apollo was killed at the end of the last Agon, but nobody knows who killed him or whose family he's part of. They've kept a tight uh, secret on it. But as she's there, um, kind of watching this party she realizes oh they have the new apollo and you as the reader are like oh it's caster it's it's caster <laughs> he's been missing for seven years and now he suddenly popped back into it's fucking caster and it's caster the archon of that house is a dick and he like is kind of rude but pretending to be like deferential to the new god they end up betraying caster uh artemis comes in and has a fight but basically what happens is that caster and his buddy van evander uh decide to partner up with um Lore and Athena to get wrath. Because Cadmos also came in and like wiped out their house. Heckin' bad stuff. So they're like, we must band together. Uh, and Athena's like, I don't like new gods. New gods suck. And the new gods are like, well, you fucking suck as well. So eventually they, they patch that up. They decide that they're going to find wrath is after a way to end the Agon. And apparently there's an alternate version of the poem that gives you the instructions for the Agon. And the alternate version has a way to end the Agon and to become the ultimate victor. And Wrath wants that so he can be the heckin... He's, he's been killing a lot of the uh, new gods because if God kills another god, their power doesn't go anywhere. It just They just poof out of existence. Um, and so it's a way to like minimize competition. And so they were like, if we can find the... the uh, other version of the old poem first we can thwart him and on our way to figuring out what that is we'll probably run into him which and athena's like and then i can kill him so they, they do some things they have to go to the odysseus house because that's like they have the best library and if there's any information it'll probably be there there's a whole side plot with a girl melora used to know and uh, in the odysseus house and blah 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 and then eventually they're like okay we're gonna work with the uh, the odysseus group is gonna work with us we're gonna do these things she has a, a conversation with athena and suddenly athena is uh like amping her up but kind of separating her from her friends like like caster is he's a new god he's not super powerful he can't really control his powers just yet during the seven years uh between the last and this one he was unable to take a corporeal form and so everybody's kind of like looking down on him but he has a more tempered approach to things than like athena who's kind of like Attack now. <laughs> Let's go. Which, again, ahistorical, Athena is the god of wisdom. And strategy! It doesn't make any sense. It's annoying. Athena is the cool god. I don't know why this book makes her not cool. Again, I don't buy that the goddess who said, like, we want to name our city, give us something cool, and we'll uh, pick the thing that is the most useful, was like, I'm going to give you a fucking olive tree. Why did we make <laughs> her female Ares? She's very aggro. Uh, and doesn't get, like, at one point, Miles is like, and you'll play offensive. And she's like, there will be no play in my offensive. And I'm like. <laughs> the Greeks loved wordplay. I don't know what they're talking about. Like, that's a thing in these poems. It would have been funny if she had given like Melora some kind of a laurel. You know how in the ancient poems, they're always like swift-footed Achilles or something. And she had kept calling her like obstinate Melora or something. That would have been great. Or if, or if she would have given one to Miles because a constant thing going through is... Uh, 
Athena likes Miles. <laughs> cunning Odysseus, I think, is the one she had for Odysseus. So, like, cunning Miles or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, just something fun. to, like, connect. There's a lot of things this book could have done to really, like, bring in some stuff that it didn't do. And so they, they like, they have to attack Wrath. Uh, but eventually you discover Sakura Blue. Castor can't die. Like, he, this whole time, despite being an immortal body, will just come back. <laughs> he, he's not dying and they're like you still have immortality and one of the things that's happening with Castor and the fact that nobody picked this that Athena didn't pick this up beforehand really flippin annoyed me um Castor can't remember how he became a god he doesn't remember killing uh Apollo he was literally on his deathbed dying of leukemia and then woke up as like he remembers seeing Apollo and then woke up and now he's a god and so I looked at that and I went oh Apollo sacrificed, Apollo was done with the, the rat race, sacrificed himself and gave himself and his powers to someone who needed it. And thus Apollo still exists incorporeally. Um, and it is like uh, a pure form of sacrifice. And that's how Apollo got out of the Agon. Immediately. 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 That's what we all guessed. And then the book holds on to this till like the last. And they're fourth. like, wow, I wonder why you are immortal, but nobody else is. And I'm like, because Apollo got tired and was like, <laughs> I'm done clinging to this goddamn life. And like the fact that Athena didn't look at this and go, oh, that's how I can return to my father's bosom. Anyway, uh, so they have to wrath. There's, there's fights. There's plot issues. There's uh, things. Um, Artemis uh, gets killed. And then you discover uh that Athena has been a baddie all along. Not just a baddie, a super baddie who sliced off children's body parts in torture to get their parents to talk. I hate it. I hate it so much. So what you discover is that when uh, a young Melora, when Wrath uh, ascended to godhood, because he was a dick, the guy who, who he was the head of the um, Cadmedia's house, he was a dick, and he wanted to marry Melora. Like, this is, this is Glimpse, uh, another example of, you know, mustache twirling evil villainry. Uh, her dad was trying to find houses to partner with for the next Agon to help keep his family safe. And the Kidmedes were like, yes, let's meet. And they were like, we, I will uh, protect your family if you give me your daughter for marriage. And uh, at first he's like, we can't just make that decision for our kids because we, this Archon also had a son. Like we, we can't make that decision for them. I'm not going to make that. And he goes, no, 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 you misunderstand me. I do not want your daughter for my son. I want the, um, Perseus fa uh, family blood in my line. I will marry your daughter, but don't worry. I will wait until she is 12 to marry her as was the old ways. And then, uh, we, sh I shall only bed her once we have, she has her first blooding. Once she's blooded, and I'm like, uh, oh, that's gross. Again, how can we be modern? Like these people literally own a restaurant as a cover to support their family. <laughs> like it's not like they're completely isolated. They're in New York doing stuff, and they're like, yes, I'm going to marry a 12 year old. Like, oh, fucking disgusting. And the reason he wants this is so that he can use Athena's shield, the Aegeus. Like he, that's what he wants. That's his goal. Which the, he's like, by the way, it's underneath our feet right now. Can you feel it? Don't you wish you had it? Mwahaha. They end up saying no for obvious reasons. And her parents, like during the Agon, they come back like a night early and they were like, uh, that stupid guy that wanted to marry you, he's now a god now. So we need to get out. We need to run away. We need to hide. We need to get as far away as possible because this guy is 100% going to come for us. So we got to go. And Melora's like, no, I want to 
fight. I want to be a huntress. I want to be a lioness. And and I've been training my whole life to fight in the Yukon. And we can't just run away. And she's like, if I can prove our family's worth, uh, my parents will stay and fight in the uh, Hagan. So she decides to go steal the shield from the Cadmides family. So she breaks into, she gets out of her house one night. She breaks into their restaurant. As a child, let's remember. She's 10. Um, she breaks into their, uh, like, freezer. That's where, uh, the underneath the freezer, there's, like, a secret, like, vault of stuff. She gets in, because they don't lock it separately. And she finds the shield. She steals it. And then she starts panicking, like, oh, my God, there's probably uh, camera footage of it. I should go and hide it somewhere else so that they can't, like... If And then she's also, like, maybe if I return it, they won't attack my family. But, like, after she does it, she realizes, oh, man, this could really start some shit. So she goes to hide it. Unbeknownst to her, Hermes sees this happening. The god Hermes sees this and tells Athena, but tells her so that Athena won't kill his lover, the new Dionysus. Athena goes, sees her, but she's hidden the the shield. So she's like, I shall torture her family. So she finds their house and she's like, I shall torture them until they tell me where she is and where they've hidden the shield. So Athena literally, she has two little sisters, one of which is a baby. Athena takes their eyes out and tortures them to death, but they don't know anything because they didn't know she fucking left the house. Goddess of wisdom, guys. Defender of cities. How the fuck? Like at some point, do you not know that they're like, they don't know anything? Like, The fact that she even does this to begin with is so weird and just cackling and evil. And she's totally just a psychopath about the whole thing while she's telling Lore about it. And the reason she wanted the shield was to reclaim her father's love? Like, it just makes no sense. Like, she can't use it. And she's already... Like, I I don't understand this fixation with this. A part of it is the idea that on the shield is written the extra version of the poem that has the, like, how to get out of the Agon. But, like, what you find out is she's been partnering with Wrath since the beginning of this Agon, and he already told her what the extra part to the poem is, which is basically, to end all of this, you have to make a huge sacrifice. That's not what the actual words are, but that's what they mean. Um, and they're like, okay, we will make a sacrifice to Zeus and we will just destroy all of humanity or like a huge chunk of humanity. Uh, they're, they're, so their plan is to destroy New York City. Which good riddance. <laughs> and then Zeus will love them again and welcome them into his papa arms and uh, bring bring them home. And also apparently Zeus will also let Wrath then take over the world and be the new god. So Athena's known all of this. So she doesn't need the shield for the knowledge. She can't use it unless it is freely given. And so when she partners with Melora at the beginning of this book, what she's hoping is that she can befriend her and get Melora to trust her. So Melora will give her the shield to help take out Wrath, who Melora thinks is the one that killed her family. And so number one, I don't know why Athena confessed. Like, I don't know why she didn't, because Artemis is the one, or no, uh, Tidebringer was the one who kind of was like, she knows everything. And she could have been like, I don't understand what she's talking about. I have no idea what she's talking about. But Athena immediately was like, I guess the jig's up. I <laughs> can't lie my way out of this one. Let me get into the murder mood. Melora, when she discovers this, is like, okay, to stop this from happening, to keep her from getting uh, the shield and uh, to being like hurting people, I'm going to kill myself. Because again, she thinks that they're 
bonded and if she kills herself it will kill athena and she like stabs herself in the chest and athena's like oh wow you really believed that my girl <laughs> no that's not how this works you're just gonna die and so but it, like athena didn't want her to die because if she dies it's the the shield will disappear and again she wants the shield because she wants papa's love I don't love that as a motivation. So then, like, her and Wrath are full mustache twirling where she's pretending to defer to Wrath and, and like, to want to support his plans. And she's like, yes, Grand Lord, like, uh, I am just here to help you. He believes this. He believes this. Again, sometimes the, the new gods are kind of interesting in that they do feel like people who just got swelled with power at a certain point, And so it makes them a little bit dumb. But this is, like, just such Saturday morning cartoon Disney villain evilness that it's it's cartoonish and it's kind of boring and hurts the end of the book. There's a whole showdown. Melora's come down. Uh, when she stabbed herself, uh, Castor found her, healed her up. They're, they're in love. They're doing a heck in, in loving. I did not love it. It was fine. I've read like worse romances. It's fine. It, some people are going to like it. Some people are not. I am those people. Go ahead. I, I didn't think it was terrible. It just, to me, it was just very boring. And the book kept thinking it was, again, if the book pushed it 30% less, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of a cute idea or a cute relationship or something like that. But like, no, they had to get all torrid and hot and be like, oh my gosh, this is my defining like love. Ugh. Sorry, go ahead. They realize that um, once they figure out what is on the shield, because eventually Melora has to, she goes and she finds it. Uh, and she brings it, they read it, and they were like, oh, they're going to sacrifice. And they're like, oh, well, they're probably going to blow up uh, the all the shelters because Wrath had the Tidebringer, who's the new Poseidon, flood all of New York. And so a bunch of people are in um, shelters, and they're like, they're probably going to bomb the emergency shelters because that's where all the people are located. That is what they're planning to do, but they're planning to just take out the whole city. So... It, they have a plan to like rescue the people. Castor's going to do one thing and Melora's going to go confront them. And her goal is to get Athena and Wrath to fight and one of them kill each other. And then they just have to deal with whoever the last one is. It doesn't work super well because Athena has apparently done a really good job of making Wrath think uh, she's on his side. But like uh, she has the shield. They're doing a heck and fighting. Athena does end up killing Wrath, but not before he poisons Melora and Athena. So they're both kind of dying. And also the, the grand evil plan was they had giant tanks of a sea fire which is known as like greek fire which is like it it in like when you put water on it it burns hotter it's like um the fire in game of thrones take a shot wildfire they were going to release it underground now that everything is flooded there's water all under the city so they were going to release the tanks and also they had them on uh the transportation system so it would just leak sea fire all through the underground light it and the entire city just goes kaplut so she has to like thwart that but also like fight with them she cuts off wrath's hand um and then the problem with this is athena has signed up because earlier you saw athena protecting people like she's still committed to her goal of protecting the city and being the protector of cities, you know? Um, and so then to have her turn around and be like, yes, we're going to blow this city up. So Papa will love me just felt really weird. And I, what I wanted out of this, if we were going to have Athena be driven crazy by her time separated from Olympus, separated from the realm of the gods is I wanted it to be more like um, treasure planet where like, she's always been 
working to her own motivations, but she does end up genuine. Like there are certain things that are just inherent to her, like her wanting to protect cities. And she does end up genuinely connecting to Melora um, because they have her switch where all of a sudden at the end, she realizes, ah, I am dying. She is dying, but I can save her life. She can continue to fight on if I let her kill me, which is what happened with Apollo. I don't buy that this Athena that we've had this whole book is going to do that, especially when she was literally willing to blow up an entire city. And like Melora like appeals to this protector of cities part of her. But like, again, it doesn't really make sense that she would even be for this at first anyway, or that this wouldn't be just a soul shattering decision for her to make. And like, also, Melora never really seems to deal with the fact that she cut her, that Athena cut her little sisters into pieces. And like, that should all be, that's so much worse than whatever Wrath did. It's also just really weird. Like, I thought it would have worked better if Athena was working with Wrath, but didn't, and thought his plan was to destroy all the hunter houses and just have his be the only one. And that's the way the Agon ends because she has a grudge against all the hunter families and then it was a surprise to her that because she's not familiar with modern technology that his plan was actually to destroy the entirety of new york and at that point she was like that's not what we agreed to wrath and that's what kind of got her back is that the city protector in her overrode whatever she thought she was going to get out of the thing but i would have liked her to have that ignorance but she knew the plan the whole time it is only because she is dying and she's like what shall my death mean uh, how can we continue to fight? That she lets Melora kill her. Because, like, again, she's dying, but she gives her a dagger and is like, stab me through the heart. And I don't buy that. I would have liked it so much more if, again, we committed to that fish out of water thing. Athena had potentially been working towards her own ends for her goals. Her and Melora do have a break off. I don't want her to have been the one that literally murdered her family. I think that's a little extra and out of character, especially for the shield that just represents her father's love to her, which I, it's just, it's a real weird reason for Athena to suddenly become a baby slaughterer. But yeah, so they end up having a separation. She is working with Wrath because she doesn't fully understand what his plan is. But once she understands it and she realizes what he's going to do, they have an epic battle. She's wounded and dying in the battle. She calls Melora over and she was like, I was blinded by my own goals and forgot that like protecting cities, what my purpose as a god was in my last moment. Do this for me and continue, like, like take my legacy. It doesn't have to end here. That is an arc, baby. Much better. But it just isn't there. And again, this, I go back to what I said at the beginning. This is the most boring iteration of these ideas possible. It's interesting because there's, it's certain basic things that an editor should have just been like, hey, this is boring. This is how you fix it. It's not even like prose, which require a lot of work to fix. This is certain basic. And the, the things we have suggested would not fundamentally change a lot of the scenes in the book. They would just clean it up so they would make sense. And it's weird that they, nobody caught it and tried to fix it or that the author themselves didn't know what was going like how to make it work. Again, I'm, I'm getting increasingly frustrated with mediocre books. Do better, writers. Stop wasting my time. We have to read one of these a week, okay? So, yeah, she kills Athena. She becomes god. Now she has to deal with the fact that Wrath, like, lit up some of the sea fire, and she's got to, like, deal with it. And she remembers that the only way to get rid of it is to, like, smother it in dirt. So she starts punching holes into the earth to send the water with the sea fire down into the earth. So it'll be then, and then she can close it up. Caster comes two of them she she almost like ascends into in complete incorporealness 
and he holds her and he's like no stay with me please stay with me and I was like man we recently read a book that did the whole stay don't leave thing way more emotionally compelling compelling hashtag uh the golden enclaves Naomi Novik oh <sighs> The queen and so she stays she wakes up everybody's like what's gonna happen at the end of the agon are you two just gonna disappear and be incorporeal again and we won't like miles is super sad because he was like don't leave me i'd like you to stay and she's like i don't know but even if i can't come back corporeally i'll be here don't don't you worry and then as the agon is coming to a close and they're wondering her and castor are sitting there holding each other wondering how this is gonna go she like she she sends a prayer out to zeus being like let this just end. Please let us stay. Let us just be here. Um, and let me live a normal life. I don't want to be a God. He doesn't want to be a God. Neither of us ever wanted to live forever or have any of this power. Just let us go. And that's what happens. And then like, everybody's like, woohoo, you're still here. We're all human. Huzzah. And then her and her friend Iroh, who we haven't mentioned, are like, we are going to try uh, Iroh's like, I'm going to try to be the leader of the Odysseus clan, uh, even though I am a woman and have the audacity to have ovaries. <laughs> I was about to say that. That's really funny. The other thing about the like fading away and please Zeus let it end is that like, again, there's never a temptation for her to actually be a god or kill a god. Like from minute one in the book, she doesn't want to be a part of this. So it doesn't feel like character growth and it doesn't feel like a revelation really. There's no real weight to it because she never really wanted this. Versus if she had wanted it, even despite Gil's, because the problem is she buys what Gil, aka Hermes, uh, sold to her, which was take care of your life, take care of the people around you, just live a good life. She She's bought into that at the beginning. But if she hadn't, if Gil had been trying to teach her that lesson, he dies, she hasn't learned it. At the first chance of jumping back into the Agon, she does it two feet and commits herself and is like, now I, I have my chance to gain Kleos. I thought I could avoid it uh, and I didn't have to think about it, but now I have my chance. And, and she does want the power of a god so that she can protect the people around her. And then at the end, she's like, no, I don't want it. I just want to live a life with the people I love. That's an arc. That's character development. That's the heart at war with itself. The strongest element of literature that this author just kind of ignored. When did Zeus become logical good boy daddy? Yeah, that's the other thing. Zeus with the raging furry kink that he has is all of a sudden like, oh no, okay, I'm gonna be more reasonable. And nobody really questions that he is like one of the petty gods. And also not all the gods are thrown out. It's only like nine of them, yep. I think. Like, which is... Weird. I guess he, it was only his kids he threw out, not his siblings. No, it was the ones. Well, no, Poseidon is one of his siblings. Oh, you're right. He did. Yes. It, what it was is it was the nine gods that attempted to punish humanity for going to other gods. I think also trying to rebel against Zeus. Zeus, yes. Oh, that brings us to a thing I didn't talk about, which is the weird discussion of women that lore has with athena at some point about how like let me try to follow this logic she's complaining about how patriarchal the hunter societies who are trying to kill gods are because they were following athena's example and why didn't athena ever help out any heroines and why did she like punish medusa because she got essayed by uh poseidon in her temple and like the whole thing with arachne and it feels just weird. Like either those stories aren't accurate or they, and Athena would be like, hey, what are you talking about? Those are just stories you guys came up with. Or they are accurate, in which case Athena really should be like, 
look, I've learned over 200 years that it's different. Or if we go back to the idea of them only appearing every seven years and disappearing for the seven years in between or that whole thing, then like she should just still be in that archaic mindset. It should be one of those things. Instead, Athena is just kind of like grumpy about it and is like, I didn't make Medusa into a Gorgon as a bad thing. And like she didn't help out women because of her friend Pallas. It's a weird conversation that should be more interesting of that clash between modernity and archaism, but it doesn't work with the world building that's been set up until this point. And again, it definitely doesn't work with the god hunters are taking their cues from gods. Yeah, and also... Because the, the whole point of this conversation is leading up to the revelation that that one archon of the Odysseus house essayed um, Melora, and she's using it as a, like, you know, you perpetuated uh, this thing, but, like, Athena's immediately, like, angry and, like, no, you should not regret what you did. You absolutely did the Like, and so it's just, it's a muddy, like, there's not a clear division. Again, Will's right. Either, like, the stories are mainly inaccurate with, like, some truth to it that has been greatly, like, you know, uh, overblown, which I think would have been really interesting. I really like the idea of the gods and their actual like adventures and experiences with humanity just being so twisted, shaped by culture, honestly, too. And she could be like, "No, this is the this is the society you guys built. That's not on me." Type of a thing. Like you guys haven't listened nor cared about us or truly believed in us in how many years? Your world has become this thing. Like it, people are being essayed, and women are not being valued everywhere in this world um not just in these five uh remaining ancient families um but and it, it could have been a really cool because i don't dislike the idea of the because like, i like the retwist of the medusa story that i didn't punish her i made her able to stop any man like no one would ever hurt her which i love as an idea but it just it's not like and then it never comes up again because like that whole conversation them bonding the next she's mustache twirling again i would have liked the um plant uh, treasure planet vibe where like um they genuinely do bond and she is forced to sacrifice the thing she actually wants to save Melora's life because again that would have fit in with the whole sacrifice thing you know that she wanted the Aegis uh a lot but she had to sacrifice it to save Melora because she genuinely grew to care for her and ends up dying and Melora gets her power like I would have even liked it if by sacrificing for Melora even not, like not dying by her hand Melora still got her power because of that great act you know like it just it it would have been there's so many cool things that could have been done. And I'm just, honestly, I hate Athena. I hate what they've done to mm -hmm. that character. She's not smart. She doesn't feel smart. She feels like, again, female Aries, fish out of water. And within the conceit of this world and the fact that she can do whatever she wants in the seven years in between the Agons makes no sense. I don't know why the author kept that as a part. I really don't. I mean, I, maybe it was because there were plot things that happened in the seven years between and she didn't want to change those. But it's such a big, it's such a big problem with just the fundamentals of the book. That's the book, guys. That's the book. <laughs> Do you guys have any recommendations for, you know, Greek mythology books that are better? Um, you know, especially ones that are like more modern day type ones. No, we're not reading Percy Jackson. I wish you'd read American Gods. Yeah, we really should. Also, only recommend us good books from now on. <laughs> I'm so tired of mediocre books. If it's like your absolute favorite book, then you can recommend it. But if you're just like, oh, I enjoy this book, 
No, we're looking for the upper limit. I'm I'm making a list of really great books, and that's all we're going to try to read from now on. Because this whole thing of like, oh, let's just try this book. The synopsis sounds good, and the first chapter was okay. It's not working for us. No. It's not working for the channel itself. Uh, the ones where we don't like the books do way better than the ones where we do like the books. But if we're going to read a bad book, let's read a really bad book. Let's go big or go home. I know. Like, and we really have to. There's a couple of books that I'm just like, oh, God, we're going to have to read them. Like, we're going to have to do it. <laughs> Partially because, like, I want the channel to grow. Like, yes, I, there are going to be books that we read because of the views chasing and stuff like that but like we do this all the time and i i want the channel to grow i want it to become a thing i'd like to the more views and people watching us and the more people in our patreon which you should join go ahead and do the more time we can dedicate to this and mm -hmm. like give to it and i would love to do like well and i've spoken about doing video essays and like mm -hmm. breaking down he's he's done for himself a couple of times and it would be really interesting to do for the channel uh analyzing really good books to see exactly what they're doing like a close reading of like the first chapter of sabriel for example i did or we actually did one for uprooted to see how novik like actually ties you in in a summary to be really interested and like how the logic flows from one paragraph to another and the tension and like we literally looked at it like how do you introduce a culture in a summative way and make it interesting like what is she doing and so we went in with that specific like what, what, what's happening here microscope and it was really fascinating and you know so yes we will sometimes read books because people have told us it's bad and because it will get us views welcome to youtube all right guys um yeah leave us recommendations and we love you our parasocial darlings bye